Hi, and welcome to Happy Healthy Human Radio. I'm your host, Samantha Attard, joining you from the beautiful Washington, D.C. I'm an Ayurvedic coach and yoga instructor and doula, sharing with you all the things I am learning about and teaching about in my everyday life so that we can all find just a little more balance, bliss, and confidence. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast, and if you do enjoy it, please do share it with a friend. You could also rate it and leave a review over on Apple Podcasts. I truly appreciate your support and for being here and for listening and for sharing and for telling me about that you're listening. Uh, it's nice to know that you're out there. I am so excited for this episode, and I think you're going to really love it too. I'm talking with one of my best friends in the entire world, Miss Yogeshwari Jessica Burton. And she's just such a fountain of wisdom and light and life and amazingness and truly a teacher to me um, that I'm, I'm just so grateful and excited that I get to share this with you because, you know, she and I, when we get together, uh, we don't live in the same town. So when we get together, Oh my gosh, the conversations we have, the life stuff we talk about, all of the amazingness. Um, it's its always makes such an impact on me and I'm so grateful for our conversations. And when I finally realized that we should record one of them and share them with you, I was really excited. And then we actually did record it and I am, was just in awe of <laughs> how much wisdom she does have to share and what an amazing conversation it was. So I... I'm really thinking that you're going to enjoy this conversation. I so loved um, having it. A couple other things to be aware of. I do have a free prenatal yoga class coming up on February 23rd. It's over at 2 p.m. at Spark Yoga in Arlington. Find the information actually over on my Facebook page. So it's facebook.com slash Spiro Collective. That's S-P-I-R-O Collective. That's where you can find all the details. If you have questions, if you want to RSVP, send me an email, sam at spirocollective.com. And that's that. I also have another workshop that's going to be coming up over at Spark Yoga on March 29th. I believe it's March 29th. It's a happy back workshop. So it's all about breaking up the different parts of your back, the lumbar, the thoracic, the cervical spine, and then figuring out how to treat them well and how to keep them healthy, like some different exercises you can do, and also just how to be aware in your different yoga poses so that you are protecting your back rather than exacerbating any issues. So this is gonna be just a delightful, wonderful exploration of our bodies, and it's really wonderful, whether you have back pain or not, to better understand proper posture and proper alignment in your yoga shapes. Again, details uh, you can find them on my website, spiritcollective.com, or head over to sparkyoga.com to actually register. So those are the workshops that are coming up. As always, you can always check out online. I have different consultations available, Ayurvedic consultation, private yoga, prenatal and fertility counseling. Uh, check it all out, sam at spiritcollective.com or just head over to spiritcollective.com. I do have free like initial consultations. So if you're interested in talking, interested in working more, check it out there. And last but not least, the best way to get involved is with the newsletter. So check out my newsletter, which you can find on spiritcollective.com. It's a weekly Sunday newsletter, a love letter from me, if you will. And it's full of deliciousness and goodness and everything that I'm thinking about uh, in a written form rather than in oral form. I think you'd like it. Cool. So let's get into today's beautiful episode. So just to hear a little bit more about Jessica, 
Yogeshwari Jessica Burton is the founder of Twisted and Found, where she makes wreaths and crowns from invasive wild woody vines found in the woods around the country. YJB is a certified integral yoga teacher and spends three to four months each year staffing retreats and teacher trainings at Yogaville in Virginia. A native New Jerseyan, YJB teaches yoga workshops across the country, including yoga for baristas, having over a decade of experience in specialty coffee. She is a human educator and expert in hospitality. Learn more about Twisted and Found on Instagram at Twisted and Found and Etsy at twistedandfound.etsy.com. Without further ado, let's get into our conversation with Miss YJB. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, Jessica. Well, thank you, Samantha. Happy to be here. I am so very happy to have you here. And it's one of those interesting ones where it took like you being in my house for me to say, hold on a second, why have I not done an interview with you? Because like you like walk into a house and before you even have your coat off, we have amazingly wonderful deep conversations. <laughs> and then it just kind of continues until like literally you're like walking out the door and we're still, t- you know, having these big conversations. And so, um, I think, uh, I think it's just, it's just right to have you here because I think you're, you're one of the people that I'm the most, um, for the longest time for sure. And then most often that we have these really wonderful, um, conversations about life and, and living it and living it well and living it happy and living it all of the things. Um, so thank you. Thank you. I'm grateful for all these conversations too. You know, not not everybody in the world can say, Welcome. Hey, this has been on my mind. Yeah. <laughs> can we talk about this deep thing right now without any reservations or inhibitions? You know, not a lot of people do that. We so. we do get into it. I guess and it's Yeah. And I feel like we have been having deep conversations for the majority of our friendship and we, we always talk about so like we met working in coffee and then we like where you were manager and I was assistant manager so we were our little work team and then it was this funny thing where we started becoming a lot closer actually as I left New York and when I moved away we suddenly became very fast friends um and so we obviously were having all of our deep conversations then. Do you have any recollection, like when we were working together, like if we were doing a shift together, were we were we still talking about this kind of stuff, or did it really just develop afterwards? Do you remember? I think a lot of it was afterwards, and I think while we were working together, it was more like just. I felt like I was observing and absorbing your way and starting to believe that you were real because I don't know if you recall, but at the time of our meeting, I said, wait, this person is on house council, goes to this super geeky, smart school, is the assistant manager of a coffee shop and bakes her own bread. She can't be real. So that was kind of actually my first impression of you. It was like, mm, I don't know about her. Um, and... <laughs> And then, you know, it turned out that you're real, and that's really amazing. So I think that I um, I also changed a lot in those first few years of us knowing each other that I don't think that I would have had these kind of deep conversations when we first met, because that was also the time that I was 
had a lot of strong opinions about how the world should be mm. and felt a lot of responsibility for how I was supposed to make the world into what it should be. <laughs> um, and that those feelings of judgment mm-hmm. are not super conducive to honest conversations and open conversations. So, and I, I love that. But I also think it's really interesting because at that time, I, I don't think I would have looked at you and said, Oh, wow, that's, a super judgmental person that wants to make sure the world works in order. If anything, I would say, wow, Jessica seems so carefree and so open and so able to have conversations with so many different people. I mean, that was one of the things that I always was very admiring of you was that, I mean, you had, you had long conversations And so maybe I guess, maybe I can't speak to how in-depth they were, but I felt like you were very friendly with lots of people and with people from lots of different um, interests and situations and walks of life. And I just, and I was always very impressed with you for that ability to really connect with people. Um, And so I think it's just, it's just interesting in hindsight, um, because yeah, I, I wouldn't have guessed, wow, this person's trying to control the world and make it all work, you know? that you didn't have that impression (laughs) and you know maybe it's also my hindsight I could be judging myself now more harshly than is appropriate because I recognize how much I've changed Mm -hmm. it is so interesting so I wanted to talk about and this is relevant to where we worked because you know one of the things that really got me back into yoga when I lived in New York was um, that the coffee shop we worked at, Joe Coffee, um, had yoga, which was Friday yoga for all of the employees. And that um, I found a wonderful teacher through that, Rachel, who I'm still connected with, Rachel Welch, and um, and and really loved her teaching and loved coming to that class and, and just like dove head first from the very first yoga. And then you, on the other hand, were like, no way, Jose, no yoga. Um, can you talk about like what it was that you were anti-yoga at the beginning and, and then what started to change in it? I felt like yoga was not for me because my impression of yoga was the very limited slice of what I viewed working behind the counter at a New York City coffee shop and witnessing what I perceived as sort of you know, the kind of person that comes in wearing very tight clothes and makeup and their hair is all done up and they have a yoga mat on their radio yoga class and they order a very fancy beverage with a lot of modifiers. And that was pretty much my experience of this is the person who does yoga. Right. The non-fat latte kind of a, a person. Mm-hmm. And that's all I really knew of it. And also the type of yoga classes that are most prevalent, a lot of them are like very exercise-like yoga classes. Yes. A lot of cardio, a lot of movement, encouragement, upbeat music, um, and that did not feel like me at all. Mm -hmm. I was notoriously unathletic in school. I was made fun of for running when I was a kid. I I dropped out of the soccer team because I couldn't wear my glasses. It just was like, 
So I did not, um, I didn't feel like exercise was for me, and I didn't feel like this look of almost yoga as a fashion statement was also not for me. Yes. So um, it wasn't until the owner of our coffee company um, put it on the review. I was the manager, and I was getting my manager review, and there was actually the extra credit question, the bonus points for my review was supports or attends yoga. (laughs) And I didn't get the point. I was shocked and I protested and I said, whoa, I tell all of my new hires. I honor every single schedule request. I totally support yoga. I'm just not going to hug trees with you. (laughs) Um, And and he, well, you know his kind of sense of humor. He just laughed and did not give me the extra credit points. And this is where the ego came up Mm -hmm. because I was very attached to my identity as the National Honor Society student who got all the A's and went to a fancy (laughs) liberal arts school, you know? So it was really funny that it was was finally ego that made me try it because I really wanted that extra credit point. And I think you might remember that it took weeks and weeks of me bringing my yoga class, my yoga clothes to work, and then coming up with some excuse at the last minute why I didn't want to go. Oh my gosh. And finally I went, and I hated it. <laughs> I was sweaty, and I was slipping off the mat, and I couldn't do the things that other people could do. And, but I kept going through gritted teeth again and again, because my boss wanted me to. And... It, it may have taken at least a year before I acknowledged the benefits mm. that I felt mm-hmm. from the class. I remember that, yeah. I can tell that my back didn't hurt as much. Um, I started to become more patient and less critical of myself and mm-hmm. others. I found a yoga class near where I lived Sunday mornings at 11. That's a good time for me who like to sleep in. Um, and it was a lot more alignment based. So we held the poses for a long time and settled into the poses. And that's where I felt a difference. And I felt like I was learning more, um, Mm -hmm. as opposed to like trying to keep up with the class. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and then it also was like, Oh wow, there are all these other different kinds of yoga out there. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I was talking with yoga to a a regular customer who was also a Reiki practitioner. And I said, yeah, you know, I feel like I'm getting into yoga. For some reason, I feel like maybe I'm supposed to be a teacher. I was already teaching coffee and training and a manager. And I was like, I don't know. I feel like maybe I'm supposed to teach yoga. And she asked me, have you been to Integral Yoga Institute?
made me realize how deep yoga is. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about what happens in an integral yoga class? Because, you know, I was, I knew that it existed, but you're the one that like first told me really about what it actually involves. And, um, and whenever I think about it, whenever I talk to other people about it, it blows their mind. So can you kind of like do that? Like kind of what's the, the theory behind integral yoga and then, and then what actually goes into a, I think it's like a 90 minute class like what you actually do in it. Uh huh. Um, the theory is that ultimately the goal of yoga is self-realization mm-hmm. and union with the true self. And this in itself can be a little bit like, whoa, for some people, they're like, what? We're just trying to feel good, you know? But the idea is that by developing all aspects of a human being, useful body, peaceful mind, and a useful life, then we are able to get in touch with our true selves and realize the unity behind all things. That mm-hmm. this world has all these diversities in form, but really we are all of the same universal energy mm-hmm. and cosmic consciousness. Mm-hmm. So in order to, like, integral yoga offers this holistic approach with many different types of practices to get at that one goal of union with the self. So we'll start with a little centering, and chanting helps create feelings of embodied sense of harmony and release these happy brain chemicals that make you feel connected and loved and reduce pain. And then we'll have some warm-ups, some sun salutations and physical flow to warm up the joints and loosen up the body. Then we'll have the asana physical portion practice where we'll practice back bends, forward bends, inversions, and twists. Mm-hmm. And probably a hip opener and a side bend in there, but that's sort of the formula of back bends to energize and start activating the body, forward bends to cool down and bring space, and the also specific poses that help stimulate digestion and elimination, inversions to help drain it out and balance the hormones, um, twists to ring out and detoxify, um, so that'll be our whole uh, physical portion of the practice. And then we move into a 15-minute deep relaxation, which is both a stress reduction technique and also is the practice of yana yoga or mm-hmm. witnessing. It is the practice of detaching from this mind, body, and breath that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, because yoga philosophy tells us that we all come into this world as perfectly peaceful, loving, energetic beings. And we're given these tools of a mind, a body, senses, in order to have fun and Mm -hmm. enjoy existence. (laughs) But then life happens and the tools get a little skewed. You know, we start to, the lenses get a little foggy, our body gets a little achy, we get bent out of shape. But yoga helps us both recalibrate these tools easing the body and calming the mind and also shifting our perspective so that we can recognize we are not the body and we are not the mind. Mm. So in the integral yoga, yoga nidra practice, we do a physical tense and release to release the physical body and then switch into the observer Mm. and we release any impulse of doing and we watch the body and then we watch the breath and we notice that it's doing its thing without us doing anything. (laughs) And then we watch the mind 
and we realize how these thoughts come and go and jump around and change and that's and then this practice of watching helps us to see that there's somebody who's doing the watching mm-hmm. and that is the true self mm-hmm. that's the one who doesn't get affected by the changes in the body and the mind of course we can experience discomfort and pain and sadness but the witness knows that this is going to pass mm-hmm. so then after that beautiful 15 minute yoga nap we practice some breathing techniques after we've opened up we charge with positive energy and those are really beautiful for the nervous system helping to energize balance the nervous system and cleanse the respiration um, and then a brief period of meditation of mm. concentration and it was probably this emphasis on uh, balancing and bringing peace in the mind and the miracle of using the physical practices to affect the emotional and mental state. Yes. That really got me hooked into yoga. Because mm-hmm. I was on, I was diagnosed with depression when I was 18 years old. Mm-hmm. And this was in the heyday of miracle medication. So I was promptly prescribed Prozac at 18 years old. Mm-hmm. And took antidepressant medications for 15 years and and read this book yoga for depression Mm -hmm. like hey if this can do something for people with ptsd and all sorts of challenges that seem a lot scarier and more real than my experience then maybe i should really give it a try and maybe let it um let me accept that I'm sensitive yeah and that's okay mm-hmm. and that I don't need to change my values to fit in with the world mm-hmm. and that I can just let some of my world values be different and now of course I find so many other people have similar life values obviously how many people are meditating these days mm-hmm. um, but you know when you're 18 years old and all you see is your little slice of high school and it can be really challenging to maneuver that. So, well, and, some, really... and something I really just want to highlight, you know, with the yoga for depression and, and, you know, no longer being on the antidepressants is also you do, you do put in the work, meaning it's not like you do like two sun salutations and then say, and no, I will be happy. Like you, <laughs> as, as, as we've discussed, as you know, like, you have a you have a routine you spend a long time in your yoga practice which is not just a physical practice but also all these different pieces that you mentioned and you like it's like part of your job like it's part of your tune-up it's part of your maintenance um and 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 i think that's just really worth saying and and mentioning because it's also you have a deep commitment to your practice um not only for what it does for your depression as far as i can tell but just for your life in general um, and, and I, I just think that's, that's worth calling out and mentioning that, uh, that you, you do practice and practice what you are, are not even preaching because you don't preach it, but, but you, you practice, <laughs> you, you show up, you know, you have the, the, the tapas. It's not, uh, again, it's not two sub salutations and now you're good. Um, and I think that's important. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is true. Mm-hmm. And I really do try to practice all the time. Yeah. Because the founder of Integral Yoga, Swami Sachinananda, would say that yoga is not what you do, it's how you think. Oh, ooh, yeah. Mm hmm. So you could really be doing anything, but whether you're practicing yoga is about your mindset. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that definitely has changed my my daily life a whole lot, mm-hmm. you know, as, as we have both come from the coffee world and um, leaving that was a huge... A gradual practice of changing my mindset and evaluating my actions and my thoughts and feelings about my actions and seeing how I could bring them in line with um, my moral compass or what felt really like my truth. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and that's. Yeah, just like you know, getting to watch this process, you know, and you all for all these years, um, to to see that and how, um, to see how much you do live it day to day, minute to minute, and really think about these yoga concepts, um, is huge. And I don't know if this is at all true for you with leaving coffee, and I I don't even know if I've ever mentioned this to you, but um, but it one of like a big like huge aha like whoa moment in my world was um after a yoga class when we were talking about shavasana and shavasana is being a place where we start to strip off the labels and noticing our identifications and attachments and and all of all that belongs with that and you know as you go from like the little like i i'm someone that likes chocolate ice cream or like i i love this band to like you know, so the one that I got really caught on was I'm a barista, like, and how identified I was with that role that I played because it was so much of my life and my friends and my world and, and the teaching. And I felt really confident there and, you know, so many different pieces. Um, like that was like this big, like, whoa, something's got to change because you are really identified with this. And, and it's kind of been something like, I just, I always keep that exercise in mind and it's something I really try to do when I'm in Shavasana is let me just go through the list of all the stuff that I might think that I am and and to kind of get rid of that did you did you also feel like it was also an identity shift and and um, a difficulty of shedding that when you left coffee yeah yeah big time mm-hmm. um, I think that I was very attached to my um, my role. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, there was a resistance to mm-hmm. parts of it. Mm-hmm. So there would definitely be things that I loved about my role and then other tasks that I really didn't like doing. Mm-hmm. I did wholeheartedly because I'm like, okay, well, it's my job. Mm-hmm. And in that way, I was identified with it, but not in a, not in a grateful, loving way. Right. In a resentful way. This is my job, so I have to. Mm. Um, and starting to look, when I started to recognize that, well, 
one thing was that I started to look around and see all the other people in our company who would have loved to have my job. Mm. Loved my job. And, you know, there was only one. I, I had a really close up. And I was like, you know, these three people I can see right now, they would all do better at my job than me because they would love it so mm. much. And I was good at my job. But I recognize that they would have really loved it. <laughs> um, so I started to think of, like, what do I love about the job? What parts would I do if I were on vacation? Mm. And what parts am I only doing because I think it's my job or because it is my job? And that was a, another interesting distinction of what did I think my job was and what I was really being asked to do. Mm. And this was an interesting exploration of recognizing. It was probably about it was about the time when I was getting more into yoga philosophy. I hadn't started my yoga teacher training yet, but um, I think it's fascinating that yoga philosophy talks about your frame of mind, and the yoga sutras give like so many tricks for bringing peace into your mind mm -hmm. and the huge like piece of that puzzle is that we can choose to change the way we think mm -hmm. and that usually if there's some kind of a frustration it's because of an attachment or an assumption or an expectation that we have mm -hmm. so I started to realize that a lot of my frustrations in my workplace were actually the result of my personal desires to achieve some goal that I certainly believed would be the best for the company, but no one else was asking me to do them. <laughs> I was the one saying, this is how I'm going to fix things right? because I thought that was my job. But then I ran into all these obstacles and people who weren't on the same page with me. And then I was like, oh, maybe I'm frustrated because I'm the one asking me to do this. And no one else is really asking me to do it. Yeah. <laughs> so what can I let go of? And, and yeah. that's when I started to tune in more to what other people were asking of me. Mm. Um, and what I felt really good about doing. So mm. if it was something that I resented, I'd question that extra, like, does this really even need to get done? Because mm -hmm. sometimes it's like, no. Or maybe there's an easier way. Or maybe you can ask someone else to do it. Uh. Well, and I love it. It just speaks to like, like the get like the assumptions, like the things we make up in our brain, like whether or not your ideas would have benefited the company or not, like that's kind of irrelevant, but just the assumption of, I know how to do it. I'm going to be the one that's going to make it better. Like even that is like, like how come you, like how come you know all the answers? You know what I mean? Like it's just so interesting where you see or thought of like, oh, if it was run like this, then, and it's like, well, maybe. <laughs> you know, and I think they, personally my answer to that was that I was always told that I could do anything. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I don't know if I really buy that. I mean, we can achieve a lot in this world, but 
just because you maybe could do it doesn't mean that you should do it. Oh my God. That was, yeah, that was, <laughs> that was, that was me um, deciding not to have a research career. Yeah. 100%. Right. Yeah. Cause it's like, like I'm really good at spreadsheets and programming. Okay. <laughs> uh-huh. And you know what? There are a lot, a lot of things that you're really good at and finding that thing that you're well suited for and brings joy and peace. And that's, you know, I think that's the greatest goal for a human life is mm-hmm. to find something that they're well suited for and serves the universe and brings them joy and peace of mind. Mm-hmm. It's really hard, especially when we're told like, oh, you can do anything if you, and, and then it's like, you can do anything so you should do something that's really meaningful and you should make a lot of money in the meantime oh without God. doing it in any, any ways that make you feel grimy. Yeah. So that I think was a, a challenge for me to work through. Yeah. So definitely letting go of my identity and uh, of the identities that I assigned to myself and the obligations that I felt like I had um, was a... Uh, a slow and steady path to really what you could see as like karma yoga, mm-hmm. the act, act of selfless service or um, action without expectation yeah. of a reward. Because I would ask myself, would I do this if I were on vacation? And there were some part I love training baristas. Man, and you know what? I did do that when I was off because... There are times when you just walk into a coffee shop and maybe someone's having a challenge with something and I'll just be like, oh, let me show you a thing. Or, you know, that was just totally joyful for me. Mm-hmm. And I was able to embrace that even more wholeheartedly mm-hmm. and adopt the attitude of I'm on vacation, I'm free, and whether or not I get a paycheck, this is something I really love to do. So I feel like that's a pretty relevant question for work. I'm curious if that's a similar wording or a similar question that you use for some of these other parts of your world, because you have a delightful, um, I'll say, I don't want to say unconventional existence. You don't like, I think that you'd be okay with me calling it that, but like, cause you split your time between Yogaville and New York city and Cleveland. Um, and, and you have architected, this world for yourself that does not look like most people's worlds because you don't specifically have a home address where you pay rent. And instead you, again, like I said, split your time in these ways and staffing the trainings in Yogaville and, um, you know, spending the time and doing some work at Integral and teaching yoga when you're up in New York. Um, and then, you know, being with your partner when you're in, um, Cleveland, um, was that a, was was that the result of this similar question of what would I do if I was on vacation or was there another piece that allowed you to that that kind of led you to say oh this is what I need to do even though it's not what everyone else seems to be doing or even if it's if uh, if it seems not the normal path uh-huh. that was a huge part of it what what would I do if I were free Mm. what would I do if I were on vacation is a similar to like what would I do if I were free yeah and 
evaluating the thing is I felt like they were holding me down. Mm-hmm. Having my own apartment all by myself in Brooklyn, I was like, why does this refrigerator run all for me? <laughs> you know, isn't it? <laughs> all for me, this just doesn't seem efficient. Um, and combined with um, trying to listen to what the universe was asking me to do. Mm-hmm. And that, it was really when I was it was about 10 days after my graduation from yoga teacher training that I had my last day and I resigned um, from the coffee company. And I was talking to one of my beloved teachers at Integral and she's like, so what are you doing? And I'm like, I just have to see what the universe wants me to do. I don't know. Like, this is my next step. And then I'm going to see what happens. And if I get into debt, I'll get a job. But yeah. I'm just going to do what I love and not ask for money and see if the universe supports me. And she goes, oh, so it's a spiritual journey. <laughs> and I was like, oh, <laughs> I, I didn't know that I had a spirit. Oh, I guess I'm on a spiritual journey. <laughs> so that, yeah, that was it. That was one step at a time. And... And then it's amazing to look back and think of some of the things that I've been able to do because of Mm. this path. And that, of course, it was little by little that I cut my expenses so much that I don't need to make a lot of money um, and felt this network of support by the universe of people who were just delighted to have me come stay and try to be a good house guest and you know, leave the kitchen cleaner than I found it if I can. Um, and some of the ways that I've been able to serve the universe are really unconventional. Mm-hmm. And they're not factored into our concepts of GDP. But one of the most meaningful things I was able to do last year was spend a month with my mother when she had hip replacement surgery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was an incredible gift to both of us. I learned a lot. I really had to stick to my morning yoga practice to keep me (laughs) totally peaceful during all that time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But that was a a gift and, you know, probably one of one of the other most magical services that I hope is okay with you for me to talk about is officiating your marriage. Yeah. I mean that was mm-hmm. huge, and I don't know if I would have had the space and time for it to to be able to engage in it with a way that was so fulfilling to me mm-hmm. and apparently to you too. Yes, it um, was. If I had a full time job, mm-hmm. you know, like we got to spend a lot of time. You you answered a lot of questions. <laughs> we, I did a lot of my own spiritual work to be able to do that. And it was one of the best services that I think, you know, I've been able to do. And that is certainly because I, I don't limit my idea to service as something that's going to pay me. Yeah. So that's, uh, I love that. I, um, I think this was in, Bhagavad Gita, because I'm reading, I'm reading the Living Gita over again, like we discussed last time we were here, and um, I got to the part where Sri Swami Sachitananda, in his commentary, he says, 
and I'm going to paraphrase, obviously, there are five types of people. And he talks about the people that, um, you know, I think it's like give 0% and expect 100% back, the people that give 50% and expect 100%. And then he has, there's the people that give 100% and get 100%. And they're just businessmen. Of course, if you, you know, if you buy a $10 shirt, you should pay $10 for it. That's just good business. But then there's the people that ask for, get 0% and then give 10, 20, 50, 100%. It doesn't matter no matter what they are, they are in karma yoga because they're not asking for anything in return. And exactly, I don't think he's necessarily saying, and so you could never get paid for anything ever, but the point, but but even beyond that of saying what, just, just asking what can I give here? And it doesn't really matter what form the repayment looks like or if it even happens at that time or if it happens 20 years from now or whatever. But, um, but that's been really sticking with me because I think so many of us would say, give 100%, get 100%. That makes a lot of sense. And he's like, uh-uh, that's just, that's just, you're just, you're just doing, you're just doing a business deal. That's not, that's not, um, you know, this manifest, you know, selfless service and that action. And, um, and I do think that you really embody that of, of not asking and, and letting whatever, ha like you ask for what you need, if you need something, obviously, you know, and then, and then you take it from there. Um, and then the other piece of it is just like that reminder, because I think so many of us would say, oh my God, there's no way I could take a month to take care of. And, and it's like in those moments where, where would you rather be though? You know, if your mom has surgery, like, do, do you want to be there to support her? Cause you, you could technically, yeah. you know, and it's really easy to say, but I can't, but, but you, you can if, your world is architected in a way that it is possible, you know? Uh -huh. um. uh -huh. I think the, the interesting thing of a transaction and what I saw with myself is also that we can let money in a transaction like cloud our heart's desires. Ooh. So... Oh. Ain't that the truth? Yeah, say more. Because it, it gives us permission to have resistance. Mm. So I could say, well, I'm doing this, but I don't really want to, but I'll do it because ah. I'm receiving something out of it. And then while we're doing it, we don't really feel good. It's not going to come out as good as if we wanted to do it. And then we expect compensation and then if the compensation isn't as great as we expect it to be then that's the whole world of trouble in itself but that the the allowance of saying well it's okay that I don't really want to because I'm getting paid mm. and I think for me I needed to remove money so that I wasn't I was I couldn't not permit myself to use that as an excuse to be half-hearted in my work. Therefore, by saying, I'm not asking for any money, then you have to be wholehearted in it because otherwise you just don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> if, if I would do this for free, then I would, then I want to do it. Oh. And my mom even made the joke, um, 
after a month together, she's like, you, you can get paid to do this. <laughs> like, you're so, you're the most wonderful nurse. You could get paid to do this. And I realized there is no way that anyone could pay me enough money to do this yeah. for anyone else for whom I wouldn't do it for free. <laughs> so that was, that was interesting. Um, but I think that's a, um, interesting and probably one of the tools that I used to, to find what my truth is and what feels good for me is would I do this if I weren't getting paid? Yeah. And just as you said, it doesn't mean you can't get paid, but would you do it if you weren't going to get paid? Well, and what I love, and I think the, the other piece of it, like the next step of it that's just really important is that I think a lot of people ask themselves that, but then they don't really mean it because the assumption is, but of course I'm going, like, but of course, like, I need to get money. Whereas you literally said, you know what? I don't need money. And then you asked yourself that question. And so I think it has a different resonance when you're saying, and it's okay if I don't, right? So I would do this if I don't get paid and it's okay if I don't versus would I do this if I don't get paid? And I, 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 but I need to, <laughs> you know, um, then that, that is interesting too. And then it could also be a matter of if it feels like right now I need to, then how can I change my perspective of it? So that I can like something about it mm -hmm. and not sit with this resistance. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I was actually thinking about this. Um, I think it was in one of your moon chat podcasts that you were talking about the concept of the to-do list yeah. and how we can have a to-do list and it feels kind of like criticism of ourselves or kind of like a, uh, it can be sort of violent to ourselves to give ourselves this list of things to do. Mm -hmm. And so I realized that one thing that I that as I was leaving my job, I also decided that I wasn't going to have any to-do lists. <laughs> and no to-do lists at all. I used to have so many lists. Wow. So I got rid of all my to-do lists. And I decided, one, is that if I if it was really important to me, I would remember it. Yeah. Um, and there's also a difference between, like, scheduling things in on a calendar. you got to make sure you have time to do things. Yes. But just a general to-do list is like that. So um, one thing would be, do I really want to do this yeah. and if the answer is no then do I have to do this now and if it still needs to stay on the list then it could be finding something that I like about it and putting that intention in with the action mm. and then changing the language mm. so like we're familiar with the concept of affirmation a lot of people have used affirmations. So how do you state something in a positive way? So, for example, the to-do list feels like these are my obligations. Mm -hmm. So what could we call it instead of, like, an obligation? Mm. You know, like, maybe these are opportunities. Ah, I've also seen it as blessed to-do list, um, <laughs> which you can see how excited I feel about that and if that's, you know, but... Uh, but yeah, but opportunities instead of obligations. Yeah, like possibities. We call it the possibility. Uh -huh. Like uh -huh. these are all possibilities. Like I could do this or I could not. Uh -huh. It's a possibility. And using that language 
also will help affect our mindset. Mm-hmm. Just like using a positive language and an affirmation, and it's the principle of Pratapakshabhavana, replacing the negative with the positive. The sutra is when disturbed with negative thoughts, replace them with positive ones. Mm-hmm. So instead of saying, I have to do, say, I get to do. Yeah. Or, um, so that was a tool for me in using the language to say, I get to go train a barista now. Right. And I'm delighted to do so. And then it sinks in and you do really become delighted. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, and also I, because if, if you feel so undelighted, if you feel so undelighted, like you, you, you actually get to, you see the dissonance. Right. And like, you're like, wait, I'm, I'm aiming to feel delighted and I'm really not. And if day after day after day, you don't feel delighted and you can't make yourself feel delighted, like then, then you do realize like, wait, something does have to change or, you know, like it's because either there's like such a good reason that you're doing it, that there is a sense of delight or there just really isn't. And you, you realize something has to change because you can't find that delight anywhere. Um, that's Amazing. Um, I can't believe I never thought about recording all of our conversations before because I'm already like, I'm going to listen to this like a lot. Because... It's funny. And I was like, oh, we were supposed to talk about Twisted and Found and we haven't gotten there yet. I know. Do you have a couple? We're supposed to, you know, we're supposed to talk about whatever we talk about. I know, but I was about to, I, I, was, I was about to pivot us there. Do you have a couple minutes to talk Twisted and Found? Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, is that okay? Um, because I love it, and I love you. And once again, like, so I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit from my perspective for a moment, and then obviously I'll let you take the reins because it's your darling project. But, like, again, watching you go from, I think I just need to drop out from money and not be involved with the economic system anymore. And you doing that and, like, just me getting to watch and, like, the beauty and delight of what you are doing. And then for you to say, actually, I think I have this thing that I want to share with people. Um, And then watching you build, I think it's okay with you if I call it a business, but build this or a project of that is, that is built on this foundation of all of the principles and, and the, um, and the values that you hold dear, like is just beautiful and amazing. And, the end result is beautiful and amazing. And so that's that's my perspective. Tell us about Twisted and Found. Mm-hmm. Twisted and Found. Um, what would you like me to read my little about story? Sure. Uh, uh, sure. <laughs> yes, read your about story. Um, Twisted and Found was founded to offer wreaths and crowns transformed from wild witty vines. Each one is a unique collaboration between nature and YJB. That's me. Wandering the woods, I take note of the various vines that tendril and twist up towards the skies. The vines climb to top even the trees, which then topples the trees, you see. Sometimes a vine or a few call me to play, and if it feels a good match, I'll draw them away. And together we twirl and we curl and persist in the twist and witness what may unfurl, a wreath or a crown taking form in this world. Welcome, I say. They are happy to be. Though they rarely come to stay with me, it seems. Rather, they seek a new human to delight and befriend. Is it you? Or perhaps you know who? Well, here they wait, yet twisted, yet bound to be found and be free, at least of me, 
in the end. <laughs> <laughs> so that's Twisted and Found. Yes. That is my offering of briefs and crowns. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was definitely an interesting venture because it's true that even, even you're saying, I hope you don't mind me calling it a business, which signals that I had had this aversion to money because yes. when I realized that money was a mechanism that I used to allow myself to be half-hearted, then I shunned it entirely and now I realize that it's useful and maybe there are some things that I want to do in the world that might, uh, that might mean it would be good to accumulate resources and also that there are plenty of ways to do them with a whole heart and in ways that, it, that people truly believe in. Um, and I have been so fortunate to have this uh, reduced cost and space in my life that I could really, I was able to envision and build it without bending any of my values. Because mm-hmm. I think sometimes when people are like grasping or feel that there's a need or a lack, then there are compromises. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm able to say I will only operate in business if I feel wholehearted about it. If I do business with people that I admire and respect, mm-hmm. if my packaging is compostable and recycled and reused, mm-hmm. if my product is all natural and, and it's, it's interesting to see even some of the, beautiful suggestions that people have given me on what I could do with the wreaths. Like, oh, you could decorate them with, like, you know, you see wreaths with, like, dry artificial flowers, or you can wrap ribbons around them. And I get to say, that sounds like a beautiful idea. And as a matter of fact, my mother decorates her wreath with a ribbon, a seasonal ribbon every time. But I'm not going to put a ribbon on the wreath because I want it to be organic. Yeah. Totally organic. Mm-hmm. And it's, I want someone to think that it's beautiful as it is. And if they want to embellish it, then great. No attachments, no limitations to what happens when it's yours. But for me, it's totally organic. I'm not going to try to preserve it. I'm not going to spray paint it gold. <laughs> I don't have to do any of those things, you know, because I'm not, I'm not trying to sell them. Mm-hmm. And as a matter of fact, it took a lot of encouragement and um, slow growth for this operation to come to be. Mm-hmm. And there's the, uh, I consider that I have a board, even though of course it's a one person operation, but I have three advisors, um, one of whom is my partner and one is my sister and the other is my sister's partner. And these people are my trusted advisors because they certainly want the best for me. And also, two of them were my first customers. Uh. So when I was thinking about setting prices and feeling really awkward, I could ask my sister, how much should this cost? And I could trust that she would tell me a price that she wouldn't think was too low. She knows how much time and energy I put into it. So she wants to value my time, and she's also happy to spend that money mm-hmm. on this item. Mm-hmm. So that was really important for me to 
like rely on other people I trust and listen to what the universe was asking me for, you know, because it wasn't that I decided I want to sell these. It was I gave some as gifts and enough people said, asked me if I sold them. <laughs> and I was like, really? Should I do that? Um, and then there's my sister's partner, Petey, has a landscape design firm and creates beautiful outdoor spaces in Colorado. It's naughty by nature. She's just brilliant. You can catch that naughty by nature, like a nod. Yeah. And that's amazing. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's great. Um, And he said that my wreaths would be the perfect gifts for some of his more beloved clients. Mm -hmm. Because he's like, you know, I he gets to make these beautiful outdoor spaces that require some upkeep, you know, you got to water the plants. And then he's like, your wreaths are like this glorious piece of nature that can come inside mm-hmm. and decorate the inside space. So he, you know, he commissioned me and that is really what helped me say, okay, I got to figure out all the other things now. Mm-hmm. And now it's worth it for me to spend the time and figure out pricing and, figure out packaging oh dear i went through like <laughs> four concepts of how i was gonna get a wreath into a box and ship it without it being disturbed and yeah. have it be elegant but also totally organic and yeah that was fun i mean and your wreaths like please check them out people at twisted and found um it's on etsy so twisted and found.etsy.com because they are glorious they're i mean they're each one is is unique and you make them with these various vines that you find i mean i think what i've seen ones from ohio from new jersey and from virginia um and like and it's so beautiful because there's ones that are like really i almost call them like compact like very neat and then there's ones that are very wild and there's ones that are very intricate and um and then we always laugh because whenever you wear your crowns, it looks like the most jaunty cap I've ever seen. It looks so <laughs> cute. Um, and, <laughs> and I and I and and they all have names and like sto- stories, and it's just they're it's they're they're just like they're beautiful. Um, what's the word? Like they're like artwork. Um, and and I love you know knowing you and knowing how you work that they really do like you said you've always said like I can't go in and say this is what I'm going to make it's just whatever the wreath like whatever it wants to be like it will it will show me what it wants to be and I say oh and like it's it's and it's it's really oh that's what you look like like yeah exactly oh that's what you are that's what you are and it's um so cool um and so beautiful in that way. Uh, yeah, it's like, it's just beautiful. It's, um, yeah. it is, I, I feel really grateful to have found this. And, and then it is amazing. And I, like, I recognize that magical use of the exchange of resources and funds because I, me offering the wreaths to the world, then people who want them 
feel happy about exchanging money for them, which allows me to keep spending time in the woods mm-hmm. and playing with the reeds. Mm-hmm. And it, it is such a, I think being in nature, I think most humans feel great when we're in nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that I feel a connection when I can be lost in the woods or even by the side of the train tracks, you know, where these, these vines grow everywhere. Um, and getting to play with a vine and follow it and see where it wants to curve and how much it wants to bend before it might break and what shape it wants to take is, uh, is a great feeling of connection which is yoga, you know, being connected to the universe. And it also helps me adopt a feeling of surrender because, as you said, like, I can't decide, oh, I'm going to make a crown with a lot of tendrils today. Like, it's probably not going to work out like that. Um, So being able to say, I'm just going to follow whatever this vine wants and... I'll try to go into the end. There's one wreath up there, Heritage, that took like three hours to make. It was super heavy. I was freezing. I thought my toes were going to fall off, but it just wasn't done. It all came from one vine, and I found the vine at the at the root in the ground, and I just it just kept pulling out and looping up and pulling out, and it must have been like 12 pounds when it was done, and it was maybe more than that, um, but. I just had to let go of whatever was going on, whatever I thought was going to happen and be like, okay, I'm on your trip. And that, you know, I realized later is a form of Ishvara Pranidana or self-surrender or surrendering to the flow, surrendering to the, the, the universe that's around you. And also practicing that witnessing mind because I can't, I don't, feel like I'm the doer. You know, I might say that I make reads, but really I feel like they happen around me Mm -hmm. and that I just have to let them happen, but I'm not the doer because I can't make a lot of choices. I just can pay attention. And then each curve of the vine is just whatever seems to make sense and go with the flow at that moment. There's not like a, a master plan of how it's going to turn out. It's just that I have to be in the moment, every moment, and and follow it through. And that offers me an experience of identifying as the witness and being able to detach from doing and dwell in that that yoga space of of witnessing the universe unfold or twist up around us, you know, however however you want to look at it. You are an amazing human. You're such an amazing human. Thank you. Thank you so much. And it's they're they're amazing. And um, you are wonderful. And I'm so grateful for this conversation. And thank you um, for taking some time to to have it. Because I know it. I'm thinking about a lot of things in terms of um, what is the universe asking me to do? Um, what would I do if I were free? What is holding me down? I mean, these are, these are, these are big questions. Um, 
and really important ones. And, um, and then what are the limitations that might not be real? Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. And, um, and I'm just really, really grateful for it and for its existence. Um, well, I am so grateful for you celebrating for me, with me, encouraging, mm-hmm. seeing it in this beautiful light. I mean, it's so important to me. It wouldn't be here if it weren't for you and the board and the mom, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, so on Etsy, so twistedandfound.etsy.com. And then you also have an Instagram, which is twisted and found. Um, yes. Anywhere else that people should be looking around or um, to learn more about your work or is your play? Is, no, is, those, are, those are my two avenues. I keep it narrow. I like it. Uh-huh. I like it. Thank you so much, Jesse. I love you. Uh, thank you, Sammy. I love you. <laughs>